The kakadu plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Bring along the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies to add a sprinkle of joy to your workday. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Where Were You in 92 is a production of iHeartRadio. And this song is an American pop icon and uh, one of the biggest country hits of all time. Either you love it, you hate it, you can never deny the far-reaching appeal. Welcome to Where Are You in 92, a podcast in which I, your host, Jason Lanfier, look back at the major hits, one-hit wonders, shocking news stories, and irresistible scandals that shaped what might be the wildest, most eclectic, most controversial 12 months of music ever. This week, before Party in the USA, there was the party in the back. This is the story of an inescapable ditty, a boot shuffling dance craze, and an irrepressible hairstyle that took the world by storm. With his steamy good looks and painted-on jeans, muscly mulleted country phenom Billy Ray Cyrus came out of nowhere with a hit that catapulted him to superstardom. But he and his butt also became the butt of many, many jokes. While his breakout smash, Achy Breaky Heart, is widely regarded as one of the dumbest songs of all time, its music video turned line dancing into a global sensation and turned legions of young listeners onto a struggling, waning genre. In this episode, we dive into Cyrus's goofy, complicated legacy and the lasting influence of his untamed locks. But we'll also detail how the singer had the last laugh when he returned to the pop charts decades later to break records and once again turn the world of country upside down. Juliet Lamb lives in Richardson, Texas, a city about 15 miles outside Dallas. She used to work in immigration, but is now retired. When she's not taking care of her 95-year-old mother, she teaches line dancing at two different places, Huffines Recreation Center in Richardson and Plano Senior Recreation Center in Plano, a city in North Texas. She usually caps her classes at around 25 students, the youngest of whom are in their 50s, the oldest in their 80s. Lamb was born and raised in Taiwan, but came to Texas in 1973 to further her education. 
She'd never seen people line dancing until a friend took her to a Christmas party on a ranch in 2002. And I was asked to, to join them, to try the dance. I told them, I don't know how to line dancing. They said, don't worry. Just, you know, join us and try. I did. I tried and I liked it. So the following month, in January 2003, I started taking line dance classes. Lam had always loved dancing, so she picked up line dancing very quickly. By 2007, she was teaching classes of her own. Since then, she's choreographed more than 70 routines, conducted workshops in the U.S., Canada, and Taipei, and racked up two Dancers' Choice Awards and two Crystal Boot Awards, including one in 2015 for International Instructor of the Year. She says she's by no means a pro, but watch some of her YouTube videos and it's clear this lady knows what she's doing. Lamb choreographed her own number for Billy Ray Cyrus's 1992 country and pop smash, Achy Breaky Heart, in 2008. After doing some research and learning that the hugely popular line dance that accompanied the release of the single would be too hard for her beginner's classes, Lamb teaches her Achy Breaky Heart routine, a mix of grapevines, hitches, heel and toe moves, kicks, stomps, and claps, to this day. For people who has very little line dance experience or for people who has no line dance experience, they can easily try it and learn. Though she didn't discover the song's original line dance or see its music video until more than a decade after it came out, Lamb loved Cyrus's Achy Breaky Heart when she first heard it in 1992, back when you'd have to be headless to successfully avoid it. I liked his voice. Um, I, I thought the song has a very catchy tune. It has a very strong beat. Um, and it was very evenly phrased. She has since watched the video, taking in Billy Ray Cyrus in all his hunky glory. She's also properly listened to the lyrics, in which he pleads with the woman who dumped him to keep his heart in the dark about it, fearing that the damaged organ will blow up and kill him. Lamb's own heart goes out to the song's jilted, mopey narrator. But she also now has a fuller picture of the hysteria that ensued when Cyrus burst onto the scene. His album uh, sold nine million copies worldwide and made him a house world name in over 100 languages. And that's incredible. Yeah, it is incredible. And given Cyrus's cheesiness, some would say incredibly ridiculous. But when Lamb insists that no one can deny the song's power, she's right. If you didn't love Achy Breaky Heart or Cyrus's neck-warming Kentucky waterfall, that's marvelous slang for a mullet, or all that fancy honky-tonk footwork, you at least secretly or not so secretly loved to hate it all. And, well, you gotta give Cyrus props. He knew a hit when he heard one something he again demonstrated with a certain record-shattering collaboration he leapt on just a few years ago. And man, did this guy hustle. But to truly understand, heck, to truly appreciate who Billy Ray Cyrus is, you first got to know who he was. Before Billy Ray Cyrus became a household name, the man with the plan and the iconic mullet, he was just a guy from Flatwoods, Kentucky, he didn't even originally intend to become a singer. He was an athlete, specifically a baseball player, which might explain those insane tree trunky biceps he loved to show off all the time. 
Yeah, Billy Ray Cyrus was fighting for the right to bear arms. And when you got arms like that, you got to fight for your right, man. Anyway, Cyrus's dad, Ron Cyrus, was a steelworker turned politician who also played guitar. And his grandfather was a Pentecostal preacher. Billy grew up listening to gospel and bluegrass and started singing at a young age. He tried playing his dad's guitar, but because he was left-handed, he couldn't. So he abandoned the pastime. Billy Ray, left-hander here, and I've literally been there. He eventually got a baseball scholarship to Georgetown College, a private Christian college in Georgetown, Kentucky. But his heart just wasn't in the game. He wanted to start a band. So five weeks into his first semester, he dropped out of school. To pay the bills, he drove a forklift at a cigarette warehouse. And one day, while taking a break and letting the tunes from a West Virginia pop radio station wash over him, he heard a promo for a Neil Diamond concert. The eighth person to call the station would win two free tickets. Cyrus won. It was the first time he'd ever won anything on his own. Seeing Neil Diamond perform hits like Sweet Caroline was a divine, defining experience for Cyrus, which, fair. That concert would change his life forever. His days of playing catcher were over. He found a left-handed guitar and formed a band called Slide Up, enlisting his brother Kibo, two guys from the cigarette warehouse who played bass and drums, and another guitar player to join him. By 1983, Cyrus had ditched his job at the warehouse to focus on music. Earnest dude that he was, he wrote down his goals. I will become a successful singer, songwriter, and entertainer. I will entertain around the world. God will use my music to touch people's lives and represent his light and love. I will be known as the next Elvis Presley. My gorgeous, perfect mullet will make the history books and change fashion forever. Okay, I added that last bit, but I'm not wrong. It was a slow climb for Sly Dog. They worked the bar circuit. Cyrus tried to make it out in Los Angeles, living out of his Chevy Beretta. As he told USA Today in 2017, quote, I was always just one failure away from resigning to the fact that maybe I need to go get a real job. I would have gone back to Flatwoods. Finally, after nearly 10 years of being told no, Cyrus landed a record deal with Mercury Nashville Records. While he toiled away on new music, he and Sly Dog continued to perform for local fans at their steady gig at the Ragtime Lounge in Huntington, West Virginia. But if his career was about to explode, he'd wind up needing another aspiring songwriter to light the fuse. Don Von Truss was a Tennessee-based military veteran whose day job was hanging wallpaper. He'd played with some bands in high school, but his plans of pursuing music were halted when he was sent to serve in the Vietnam War. When he returned, he continued dabbling in it in his free time. One day in 1991, he was fooling around with the guitar and drum machine in his sister's basement. Two simple chords later, and he had the bones of a tune that would eventually become Achy Breaky Heart. He explained to Rolling Stone in 2017 that a vision came to him while writing it. Quote, I saw kids dancing in my mind, and I remember telling my wife that, and she thought I was a little screwy. Undeterred by his judgy wife, Von Tress presented the ditty to a friend who worked in music publishing. He told him he had to finish it, and not to get a co-songwriter, sensing immediately that it had a future on the charts. So, Von Tress completed the song and teamed up with his friend to whip up a demo. 
as he recalled in a 2019 interview with the newspaper The Tennessean, quote, everybody was jumping up and down about the song. Really, something in us told us it had great potential. Von Tress started shopping it around, knowing darn well the competition in Nashville was fierce and there were no guarantees. Meanwhile, Billy Ray Cyrus and his team had chosen nine songs for his debut album, Some Gave All, the title track of which was a tribute to folks who'd served in the military. Yeah, you can see where this is going. His producers and the head of A&R wanted one more track. One day, while Cyrus was on a break while rehearsing with his band in Huntington, his producer, Joe Scaife, told him he had a song he wanted to play him. At Cyrus's guitarist Terry Shelton's apartment, Scaife sat down at the kitchen table and popped a tape into Shelton's boombox, announcing, You might think I'm crazy, but I think this thing's a hit. He pressed play. Cyrus barely made it through the first verse before leaping from his chair and shouting, That's me! That's me! Love it! He knew instantly it was special. He learned that the track, called Don't Tell My Heart, was written by Don Von Truss, a Vietnam vet who hung wallpaper for a living but loved to write songs. The demo was catchy. The melody and the lines, Don't Tell My Heart, My Achy Breaky Heart, got stuck in your head. And it definitely seemed like something the crowds at his shows would want to dance to. Not everyone had such a warm response to the song. The gospel and country quartet, the Oak Ridge Boys, had considered it. But their frontman, Dwayne Ace Allen, didn't like the lyrics, achy breaky heart, so the band never recorded it. Seems 30 years later, they're still kicking themselves for it. But they want it known that it wasn't all their fault. In 2020, a post from their official Twitter handle read, True that Dwayne Allen was not crazy over the lyrics, achy breaky, but it was RCA Records at the time that turned down the song. Ace still had it in his pile of songs to be considered. But those guys would kill for a time machine. Another group, the Northern California trio, the Marcy Brothers, also had an issue with those lyrics. They recorded the song for their 1991 self-titled second album, but changed the words to, Don't tell my heart, my aching, breaking heart. Sorry, Don. But actually, no, not sorry, Don, you lucky bastard, because Billy did dig those lyrics. As he writes in his 2013 memoir, Hillbilly Heart, once I got a hold of it, I never let that song out of my grasp. I loved it. Indeed, he would grab Don't Tell My Heart like the back of someone's mullet and hold on for dear life, dragging it all the way back to the bar where he and his band would play it that very night after he discovered it. And then he'd ultimately drag it all the way to the bank where he'd cash a big fat check for a big fat hit. But Cyrus's life was pretty nutty at this point. It was bad enough he was living among heaps of cassettes and microphones and various other crap in a Chevy Beretta while recording songs for Some Gave All. Worse, after he finished recording them, he lost his longtime gig at the Ragtime after he and his band stopped performing and left the bar one night because a fight had broken out there. Like, I'm talking like guns, knives, people getting tossed over tables kind of fight. So now Cyrus was hustling again, taking gigs in North Carolina, Georgia, Myrtle Beach, Virginia, Kentucky. Dude needed to catch a break. In a conference room full of Mercury executives in December 1991, Cyrus weighed in on a slew of decisions for his forthcoming debut album, set for release in just a few months. But he had a very strong opinion about what the first single off it should be. Don't Tell My Heart was basically catnip for fans at his shows. 
He played it and they headed straight to the dance floor. But the title needed a tweak. Cyrus said, the name of that song is wrong. Everybody calls it the achy breaky song. They yell it out all night. Play that achy breaky song. He suggested they rename it achy breaky heart. The label agreed. When Cyrus met Von Truss, they bonded straight away. As Cyrus recalled to the Village Voice in 2021, quote, he thanked me for writing Some Gave All, and I thanked him for his service. I asked him if he ever wondered if the name of the song is Achy Breaky Heart, and he said, call it what you want to call it, just put it out. We let her loose. Von Tress even joined Cyrus's band and toured with him for a decade. Cyrus has called Von Tress his quote-unquote musical soulmate, and they went on to collaborate for 30 years. Once Sakey Breaky Heart was set as the lead single, Mercury's promotions team developed a strategy to get the song major exposure. They couldn't deny Cyrus's beefcake status. He had a cherubic face and intense piercing eyes that seemed to stare into your soul, but he was also hairy-chested and virile. He wore baggy, sleeveless shirts, allowing his nipples to play peekaboo with his audiences. Women lusted after him, and no doubt, some men did too. He also had moves, the label knew it needed to play up all that charisma in the track's music video, so it decided to spotlight Cyrus performing Achy Breaky Heart live. As Sandy Nice, Mercury's then-director of public relations, told the Tennessean, We were going to turn on women all over the country and put a demand on country radio to play that song. They shot the video in January 1992 at the Paramount Arts Center in Ashland, Kentucky, filling it with a swarm of fans that included Cyrus's sister, his future wife, Tish, and his newly ex-wife, Cindy. As he notes in his memoir, it may be the only music video ever made with both the singer's ex-wife and future wife in it. This guy had cojones. Positioned in the front row of the audience, some heavily permed, hot and bothered ladies who, when not ogling the singer, were engaging in some serious synchronized boot scooting. It's actually quite impressive. Almost as impressive as the number of rhinestones and cans of hairspray holding their looks together. You see, Mercury had enlisted country singer Lee Greenwood's ex-wife, Melanie Greenwood, to choreograph a line dance to accompany the song. It was, however, a collaborative effort. When Cyrus and his team met with Greenwood, he was impressed by her line dancing skills, but thought that the dance needed something distinctive to make it stand out. Greenwood asked him what he did when he sang Achy Breaky Heart for audiences. He swiveled his hips slightly. She incorporated that saucy little move into her choreo. In addition to the music video, Cyrus's label produced an 11-minute line dance tutorial video, which it sent to bars and clubs across the U.S. It also sponsored a national dance contest. The line dance caught fire before the singer's debut album even hit shelves. And by the end of March 1992, Achy Breaky Heart had landed on Billboard's Hot Country Singles chart before the single had even officially been released. In 1992, Robert K. Orman was working as a music reporter for the Tennessean and covering Music Row, Nashville's musical epicenter for USA Today. He was the first reporter in Nashville to do a story on Billy Ray Cyrus. He spent days with the singer, riding horses and motorbikes with him for a TV special he directed. Orman attributes the achy-breaky pandemonium to changes in both Nashville and in pop music. You see, by the time Achy Breaky Heart blew up, Nashville had already begun to evolve. 
Neo-traditionalist acts like Ricky Skaggs, Keith Whitley, and the Judds had reinvigorated country music and were attracting a younger demographic. As with pop music, the genre's visual component had become as important as the artist's sound. Nashville was starting to shed its silly hee-haw image for something hipper. Meanwhile, pop had undergone its own changes. Says Orman, There was a void in pop music at the time that pop had forgotten that people liked to dance. Then along came Billy, bridging the gap between country and pop. And so here came this phenomenon out of country music, initially out of Texas, uh, of people line dancing to songs. And Achy Breaky was designed and perfectly placed to become one of the leading songs of that subgenre, that, that line dance uh, genre. And Billy was beautiful. He was gorgeous. And uh, it was just a perfect confluence of the song, the singer, and the trend of country line dancing. They all sort of came together in that moment. Cyrus was a bit of a wild card. In the video for Achy Breaky Heart, he doesn't look like other male country singers of the era. First off, instead of a Stetson hat on top of his head, he has a thick, dark nest of hair and a shit ton more cascading down his shoulders. Instead of cowboy boots, he sports white sneakers. His shirt is unbuttoned and oversized. His jeans are skin tight. He dances around the stage, oozing confidence and sexuality, like he's about to do a strip tease at any moment. Rumors later swirled that he was a former Chippendales dancer. Both buff and pretty, he blurs gender lines. He knows he's a fox. Billy Ray Cyrus was a country disruptor and a pop disruptor. He had the full, uh, package. In April 1992, just a month after it had descended upon Billboard Hot Country Songs charts, Achy Breaky Heart took its sad, shattered little blood-pumping organ to the number one spot and stayed there for five weeks. Meanwhile, by May of that year, the single was a pop crossover hit, reaching number four on the Billboard Hot 100. It became the first country single to go platinum since Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton's 1983 hit, Islands in the Stream. Von Tress recalled to the Tennessean that manufacturers literally couldn't keep up with the demand for the single. He said they even stopped selling it, worried it would, quote, cannibalize from the album. After that album, Some Gave All, was released in May 1992, it soared to number one on Billboard's country and pop album charts, eventually going platinum nine times over and selling 20 million copies worldwide. At the 35th Grammy Awards in 1993, Achy Breaky Heart was nominated for Record of the Year and Best Male Country Vocal Performance, and Cyrus was nominated for Best New Artist. Though he went home empty-handed, Achy Breaky Heart was named Single of the Year by the 1992 Country Music Association Awards. The song became truly inescapable. It was an international smash that was essentially played on the radio on loop, to the point that it started driving people insane. Up next, we explore the backlash to Billy Ray's Party in the Back. going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. 
Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Billy Ray Cyrus's achy breaky heart was suddenly everywhere. Not only blowing up in the U.S., but also hitting number one in Australia, Canada, and New Zealand, and number three in the U.K. But because of the single's omnipresence and the way its once catchy lyrics and melody metastasize into something thoroughly grating, it harvested a bountiful crop of haters. In a 2017 interview with Banner Graphic, Don Von Truss admitted, quote, There was a little backlash after a while. I heard stories about people threatening some radio stations that were playing it repeatedly. And, you know, Cyrus's whole vibe was pretty polarizing. In fact, he pretty much became one of the most polarizing, some would say detested, figures in music that year, says country music historian Robert Orman. He was country. There was no question about it. But he was also breaking the mold a little bit um, by, by his visual presentation. Uh, the long hair... The cutoff of clothes, the just everything was a little, just a little bit different, and a little bit backwoods, and a little bit off. <laughs> he was not like other other people at the time. He was he was his own thing. Cyrus faced the same criticism that Katie Lang had faced. She was another country singer who dared to dance with abandon and look goofy. Like her, Cyrus shook up the genre, challenged gender stereotypes, and emphasized country's pop potential. In doing so, he too elicited some double takes. 
Shayna Golden Pershbacher is a professor of music studies at Temple University and the author of Queer Country, a book released this year that examines queer and trans performers in country and Americana music. Her research focuses on how history and identity, gender, race, ethnicity, class, sexuality, shape music, and vice versa. She reiterates Robert Orman's opinion that Billy's unconventional style and approach to country threw off some country purists. Uh, when we talk about men, we, you know, compliment them on their brilliance and um, their minds, you know, and, and we don't draw attention to their bodies in the way that we draw attention to women's bodies. And I noticed that song draws a lot of attention in its lyrics to body parts, uh, not just the achy, breaky heart, but all different body parts and the way that they're responding to his feelings and, and his rejection, his romantic rejection. And so, yeah, I think that sort of questions the masculinity of the song in a way. The song is a little weird. Cyrus's heart, or rather, the narrator's heart, is referred to as he. Don't tell my heart, my achy, breaky heart, I just don't think he'd understand. So it's a totally separate entity from the singer's head and brains. And Cyrus is not only drawing all his attention to his body parts, and in a way, objectifying himself further, he's also delighting in rhymes and lyrics that for many read as hokey, insincere, and like a parody of country. Like we saw with Katie Lang, embracing the honky-tonk humor, the hillbilly humor of country music in the late 80s and the early 90s was dangerous to the country industry because they were putting forth a much more serious image of country music. And ever since the Nashville Sound marketed country music to a much wider audience, people on the coasts, uh, middle-class people, they were trying to attract people to hearing these stories and relating to them and not encouraging some of that hillbilly humor that could bring shame to working class and rural people. And it certainly did with, with things like the book and movie Deliverance, you know, making people feel embarrassed to be from Appalachia and from rural communities and be working class people. And so for Billy Ray Cyrus to come, you know, immediately out of the gate with a crossover hit, perhaps already made people suspicious. And then um, he's dancing and he's, you know, sexy and has a mullet and is singing all about his different body parts and his heartbreak. Um, maybe that's enough in that moment to, to make it a, a question for some people. Singer Travis Tripp was one of those people. He questioned Cyrus's seriousness, authenticity, and stage presence, and was in no hurry to release the wiggle. In June of 1992, the popular country artist made his feelings abundantly clear to the press, saying Icky Breaky Heart was quote-unquote frivolous, and that a success suggested that country music was deteriorating into a quote-unquote ass-wiggling contest. Says Robert Orman, Country stars, male and female, generally do not move. They pretty much stand there and present the song. Billy did. Billy danced on stage. Um, and that was unusual for the time. And I think that is why men didn't flock to him the way women did. I think men are uncomfortable with men that are too good looking. And if they dance on stage, that's kind of like, that's not manly or that's not, you know, that in country music, that was not done. Cyrus writes in his memoir, Hillbilly Heart, that he considered responding to Tritt's diss, but his politician father talked him out of it, saying, Son, 
you have to take it as a compliment that you made someone so upset. You can't have so many people out there love that thing without having someone hate it. You don't say nothing. You just go about your business. Okay, but Cyrus didn't totally take his dad's advice. At the 1993 American Music Awards, where he won Favorite New Country Artist and Achy Breaky Heart won Favorite Country Single, the singer took the opportunity to read his adversary. As he hit the stage and accepted the statue for Favorite Country Single, he shouted, Tonight this award is from you, the fans, and as far as I'm concerned, to those people who don't like Achy Breaky Heart, here's a quarter. Call someone who cares. Cyrus's remark referred to Travis Tritt's 1991 hit, Here's a Quarter Call Someone Who Cares, a single that, unlike Cyrus's song, never made its number one. That's right. That evening, the CD library was open, and Billy Ray Cyrus threw Travis Tritt's inferior number two single at him. The Shade. But the iron mockery didn't stop there. Reacting to the song's ubiquity, Weird Al Yankovic penned a 1993 spoof, Achy Breaky Song, in which he begged DJs not to play the single rattling off a list of divisive musical artists he'd rather hear. ABBA, Barry Manilow, Vanilla Ice, New Kids on the Block, Tiffany, Yoko Ono. He even went so far as to say he'd prefer they, quote-unquote, tie me to a chair and kick me down the stairs. The hatred. The song got quite a bit of play on country radio stations, but Yankovic admitted that it was a little rude. And Gentleman That He Is included a message in the liner notes of Alapalooza, the album on which Achy Breaky Song appears. He wrote, all songwriting proceeds from Achy Breaky Song will be donated to the United Cerebral Palsy Association. Responding to a question from a fan about it in 1999, Yankovic explained, both the writer of Achy Breaky Heart and I were a little uncomfortable over the fact that the parody was a little bit, well, mean-spirited. So we thought it would kind of take the edge off of it if we donated all the songwriting proceeds to a worthy charity. See, such a gentleman. As if we needed another reason to love Weird Al. Tabloids also found an easy target in Cyrus, with one reporting about his alleged Chippendales past. Come on, it sort of tracks. However, in April 1992, when they reported that a young waitress had given birth to his child while a different woman, his current main squeeze at the time, Trish, was pregnant, well, that was a fact. Messy. And you know who else found an easy target in Mr. Cyrus? Elvin and the goddamn chipmunks who covered Achy Breaky Heart in the fall of 1992 on their country album, Chipmunks in Low Places. But you know, Cyrus went ahead and joined in on the fun, contributing some speaking parts to the song, which reached number 71 on the Billboard Hot Country Songs chart and became the trio's first entry on any Billboard chart in 32 years. Go Chipmunks! So maybe everyone won in this case. More than a decade later, the hecklers were still heaping on the bile. On the 2004 special, VH1 and Blender Magazine present 50 Most Awesomely Bad Songs Ever, Achy Barky Heart came in at number two, just behind Starships We Built the City, a song that pretty much everyone agrees sucks ass. But Cyrus also had some heroes on his side. For example, Bruce Springsteen covered Achy Barky Heart live, declaring, I don't care what anybody says, it's a damn good little rock song. And when Cyrus got a letter in the mail from Johnny Cash, his achy breaky heart nearly gave out altogether. In the letter, Cash wrote, 36 years ago, I was working with Elvis and saw him take the same kind of flack you're taking now. Congratulations on the way you're handling it all. 
In your case, as in Elvis's, the good outweighs the bad. Let them have it. I'm in your corner. <laughs> Laugh all you want, haters, but have you ever gotten a letter from Johnny Cash? But here's the thing. As much as folks thought Billy Ray Cyrus was just some lucky himbo, he actually was quite self-aware. As he writes in his memoir, Hillbilly Heart, Trust me, I knew with Achy Breaky Heart, it was either love it or hate it. There was no middle ground, not with a song that big. Turns out, Cyrus wasn't a clueless beefcake. Dude was a savvy businessman. He knew what audiences wanted, how to market himself, and ultimately how to adapt and shapeshift to sustain his celebrity. He parlayed the massive success of Some Gave All into an acting career, even landing a bit part in David Lynch's moody film Mulholland Drive. Okay, admittedly he was playing a himbo pool boy in that one. But he also showed up in the series Doc, The Nanny, and Diagnosis Murder, and a Toronto stage production of Annie Get Your Gun. Oh, and remember how the gossip rags reported that Cyrus had knocked up two women within the same year? Well, in 1992, following all that fame and fortune, his wife, Trish, gave birth to their first child. Her name? Destiny Hope Cyrus. Or, as we know her today, Miley Cyrus. In 2006, Billy Ray and Miley unveiled their Disney show, Hannah Montana, to the world. The series, about a teenage girl named Miley, who's leading a double life as a pop star, Hannah Montana, while navigating adolescence, ran for four seasons. On it, Billy Ray played her dad, Robbie Ray. Yeah, they didn't really try to veil things here. Billy Ray Cyrus was aware of his outsider status in Nashville and in pop, knowing he could just fade away and fall into some one-hit wonder oubliette. The key to longevity, as it always has been, was reinvention. Achy Breaky Heart has been recorded in languages like Welsh, Japanese, and Spanish. The Mexican quintet Caballo Dorado turned the song into a wedding classic in Mexico in the mid-90s. In 2017, to celebrate Cinco de Mayo and the 25th anniversary of Achy Breaky Heart, Cyrus teamed up with them to re-record their version, No Rompas Mas Mi Corazón which Cyrus and Von Tress produced. Cyrus continued to release country tunes, 16 studio albums total. However, none would be as huge as Some Gave All, which was the best-selling album of 1992, spending 17 consecutive weeks at the top of the Billboard 200. At that point, the longest time spent by a debut artist at number one. He never had another solo pop hit after Achy Breaky Heart, but did he really need to? The man gave us Hannah Montana. If you're still not convinced that Mr. Mullet had the last laugh, I have three words for you. Old Town Road. We all know how the story goes by now. Clever social media star and musical upstart records a country trap song. It starts ascending the hot country songs chart until Billboard disqualifies it, claiming it doesn't count as country social media star who'd already tweeted that he wanted Billy Ray on his song since he loved him from his Hannah Montana days gets him to not only voice his support of the song, but re-record it with the upstart as a duet. The man who in 1992 turned country on its stuffy old dance-hating head re-emerged in 2019 to part the tumbleweeds, kick up the dirt, and show everyone that there was a new sheriff in town. Well, a sheriff and a deputy in this case. He saw potential in this young whippersnapper and saw a bit of himself in him, too. He had also been deemed unworthy by certain country muckety-mucks. 
been watching everything going on with OTR. When I got thrown off the charts, Waylon Jennings said to me, take this as a compliment. It means you're doing something great, Cyrus tweeted to him. Only outlaws are outlawed. Welcome to the club. The rest is chart history. Soon came the Old Town Road remix, a duet between 20-year-old rapper-singer Lil Nas X and Billy Ray Cyrus. Of their record-breaking 19 weeks Old Town Road spent at number one in the Billboard Hot 100, 18 of them were credited to both Nas X and Cyrus. The song became Cyrus's first number one single on the Hot 100 and also won him his first Grammy Awards. One for Best Pop Duo Group Performance and another for Best Music Video. In joining forces, these outlaws created something universally beloved, something that transcended genre and appealed to so, so many listeners. Says Shayna Golden Pershbacher. That remixed version immediately, you know, authenticates the song for some country listeners, but also, um, as Little Nas X says, it attracted people who had, had thought that they would be turned off by country music. Like Achy Breaky Heart, Old Town Road was absurd and ubiquitous, but this time with internet. And like Achy Breaky Heart, it had country traditionalists up in arms. Who was this kid who came out of nowhere with no experience or dues paid in Nashville to take country hip-hop and pop by the balls? But also like Cyrus, Lil Nas X proved to detractors he wasn't going anywhere. Well, except to hell to give Satan a lap dance. The parallels between these two singers' stories are uncanny. Both were college dropouts who became overnight sensations after putting out a massive hit single and serving a head-turning look that totally disrupted country music. A collaboration seemed too perfect, like a foregone conclusion. You know, when Little Nas X came around with this invitation to collaborate and remix the song, it was the next great opportunity, you know, to be reintroduced to another another audience, um, to be playful in the same kind of way around country music, you know, to not to not have such strict boundaries and kind of solemnness around it, but to have a little fun with it and also do something that's clearly country music, right? There, there are black cowboys going back to the very beginning. So it's, it's authentic in that way. Up next, we explore what is arguably the most notorious element of the Cyrus mythos, his mullet. As we go behind the hair, behind the man, we're left wondering, was Billy Ray Cyrus actually onto something? Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details.
Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. We've spent this episode talking about Billy Ray Cyrus. But you can't talk about the man without talking about the mullet. Like Samson or any respectable drag queen, Cyrus was only as good as his wig. Preparing to revisit Achy Breaky Heart all these years later, I couldn't tell you half the lyrics to the song. I certainly couldn't remember any of the choreo. But the mullet is permanently seared into my brain. Into all of our brains. It's a tale as old as time. If Cyrus took an Old Town Road straight to comeback bliss in 2019, his legendary token weave soon followed. The mullet, a.k.a. the Mississippi mudflap, a.k.a. the Tennessee top hat, a.k.a. the beaver paddle, a.k.a. the Kentucky waterfall, has been enjoying a renaissance the past few years. Call it the Tiger King effect. Or maybe it was all those months spent in lockdown when salons and barber shops were closed and we had no choice but to let everything go to shit. Or, in a lovely twist, none of us could have expected, maybe it was Billy Ray's own daughter, Miley Cyrus, who sparked the modern mullet movement. Not without the help of Rihanna and Zendaya, though. Whatever the reason, whoever is to blame or thank, the mullet is once again making the rounds. It's popped up in runway shows for Alexander McQueen, Balenciaga, Kenzo, Rick Owens, and Stella McCartney, and on the red carpet. Who could forget when none other than Lil Nas X rocked up at the 2021 MTV Music Awards boasting a jerry curl mullet and a lavender half pantsuit half gown by Atelier Versace. Meanwhile, the USA Mullet Championships launched in 2020, including men's, kids, teens, and fee mullet divisions. Magda Richko is the founder of Harari, a gender-neutral, all-inclusive barbershop with locations in Brooklyn, 
New York City and Los Angeles. She's been giving modern mullets for 15 years, but she says these days they account for 30 to 40% of her business. She considers the mullet to be more than just a Zoom-friendly hairstyle for folks working from home. You know, the old saying, business in front, party in the back. So I feel like a mullet is a little bit of like a rebellion. And when a person gets a mullet, they're just kind of like, you know, showing people that they're not going to have like hair in the back, you know, to the collar. They're more of a rebel or, you know, just somebody who wants to have a good time and have a fun, trendy haircut. Richko discovered Billy Ray Cyrus in middle school through a girlfriend who was really into country. She thought Achy Breaky Heart was catchy and liked his look. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was cool. It was definitely an inspiration for, like, gay guys. Cyrus often comes up when clients looking for mullet cuts hit a Ferrari. But if he's the most name-checked celebrity of her male clients, they figured out ways to personalize their mullets. I just feel like people just, like, go and deconstruct you know, whatever it was to make it more original and like more current for the times. The number of modern mullet variations is staggering. There's the Kentucky Waterfall, the Baseball Mullet, the Ziggy Stardust Mullet, which of course David Bowie made famous, the Mohawk Mullet Combo, the Pompadour Mullet, the Shag Mullet, the mullet with countless different fades, and the Wolf Cut, which Billie Eilish and Miley Cyrus have launched recently. In my neighborhood of Bushwick, Brooklyn, I've seen pretty much every last one of them. Turns out, Billy Ray Cyrus was onto something. As Rich Co. attests, the mullet is actually incredibly versatile. Its possibilities are endless. It's, you know, also a lot of times like gender affirming or, you know, it's also gender neutral. So I think that's really cool about it, too. Anybody can have it. Furthermore... Taking the plunge into that Kentucky waterfall is a fast way to show the world that you have zero fucks left to give, that you own the road, that you own your identity. People are just, I don't know, they get so much life from it when, you know, they have like a regular haircut, really long hair, and then they come in and they get a mullet makeover. Oh my God, it's like a whole new persona comes up, you know, the confidence and like the swag. Love him or hate him, Cyrus had that swag which is why he was able to make millions of listeners swoon and get plenty of them to strap on their boots and get in on the latest dance craze. We can't deny the role his hair played in solidifying that swag. Cyrus may have ditched that mullet years ago, but its legacy lives on. When asked about his post-Old Town Road future in a 2019 New York Post interview, Cyrus replied, You want me to be really honest with you? I was thinking about retiring because to me, this is the perfect way for me to go out. For years and years, I said, man, if I could ever just make it back to the top, I think I'd just retire and quit at the top, never dreaming it could ever even be close to possible. Lo and behold, this ride happens and there's been so many great ideas coming at me. That's why I'm not going to retire because I now have a whole nother album of some ideas with some people I'd love to make some music with. And it turns me on. The unfathomable crossover success of a debut novelty song kickstarted Cyrus's career. The record-shattering success of another, 27 years later, reignited it. In September 2021, Lil Nas X's debut single, Old Town Road, which morphed into a collaboration with Cyrus, became certified 15 times platinum by the Recording Industry Association of America, moving 15 million units the first record ever to do so. Mr. Mullet could no longer be called a one-hit wonder. Meanwhile, 
Country is hardly a dirty word in the pop world. Sure, Lil Nas X quickly transitioned into hip-hop and pop, but country acts like Casey Musgraves, Marin Morris, and Orville Peck, not to mention this artist you might have heard of named Taylor Swift, have substantial and dedicated followings and critical acclaim to boot. Go ahead. Don't tell your heart that Cyrus helped instigate the country pop crossover three decades ago. But you might be lying to it. Maybe, just maybe, we've been underestimating Billy Ray Cyrus all along. Says country music historian Robert Orman. Uh, he did wonderful things for the business. You know, he, he brought a lot of ears to the, to the business and a lot of young people to the business. And, and he's never really been given the credit I, I don't think that he should get for, for what he did. And yes, it was it, it, it was a novelty. And yes, Old Town Road was a novelty. But look, Lil Nas X went on to create, to surprise everyone by creating just as big a hits um, in the in the hip hop genre. Like his signature hairstyle, Cyrus proved to be surprisingly enduring. He knew he couldn't be part of the mainstream country sound, and so he developed a career as an actor. I know and did other things outside the genre and even outside music to, to keep him on the, uh, on the radar. So yeah, he did show him. Juliet Lamb, our Texas line dancer would agree. Sure. She's biased. She thinks Cyrus is incredibly handsome and she's flown all the way to Taiwan to teach students her achy breaky heart dance routine. But she also finds Cyrus's grit and resilience inspiring. I think, you know, by reading his biography, he, he taught me a good lesson. He strikes me as a very persistent man. There's always a voice inside his head told him he would be a musician. He listened. So he clearly defined exactly what he wanted to happen. And that's the way he reached his dream. That's the story. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to go get my mullet touched up. Where Were You in 92 was a production of iHeartRadio. The executive producers are Noel Brown and Jordan Runtog. The show was researched, written, and hosted by me, Jason Lanfier with editing and sound design by Michael Alder-June. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. 
<laughs> Ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl, go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.